Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Kicks and Dribbles. I'm Dan McClay, where we talk about O Jogo Bonito, the beautiful game. Bienvenidos, benvindos, bienvenu, benvenuto. Welcome. So glad to have you here. We're going to talk about a lot of soccer tonight. So glad you're tuned in. Since 11, 15 of 19, that's since November of 15th of 2019. Okay, got that in your mind? All right, very good. United States national team, 10 wins in a row, one tie. Not too shabby, huh? Okay, very good. So we start out with a win the other day over Jamaica, 4-1. to Now, this is a team we know we have to beat because we're going to eventually see them in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying down the road, okay? So they come out, they made a statement. Four to one, solid game, great passing in the midfield, great passing in the attack zone, great off-the-ball movement in the attack zone is what I really liked. It was really fun to watch. And so four to one over Jamaica, this is a good positive step. So then the United States national team after that game in Wiener Neustadt, Austria, which is just south of Vienna, and uh, Dunkerschein, to the Austrian Football Federation for setting up a bubble there in Wiener Neustadt. The uh, United States national team got on an airplane and flew over to Belfast, Northern Ireland. They uh, obviously went through very strict COVID type of um, quarantining and COVID examinations and this, that, and the other, because, of course, that whole area is very, very devastated right now. And they get to Belfast, and they're going to play this past Sunday. They played the Northern Ireland national team. Now, I know you all are thinking Northern Ireland, that that country is about the size of Rhode Island. Well, yeah, it's a small country, but guess what? Guess what? In the past couple of years, they've gotten very good. They've gotten a lot of respect on the soccer pitch, okay? And so this is a team not to sneeze at. This is a team not to take lightly. This is a European team which can cause problems in any form or fashion. I have seen Germany have a problem passing through the midfield against Northern Ireland. Yes, I have seen that. So this is a team that's a good test for the USA. All right, USA comes out. They play very good. And this is a young Northern Ireland team. They're very scrappy, okay? They do not stand around and watch the ball and go into position. No, they go after the ball. It doesn't matter where it is. They go running after it, okay? So you have to be on your good passing game in order to get through this team. This team is very, very good. So um, United States gets a 2-1 to win over Northern Ireland. It was Gio Reyna with a great shot from just outside the penalty box, got deflected by a defender, and it went up into under the crossbar. Hey, it still counts. Even though it wasn't a pretty goal, it still counts, right? Okay, Christian Pulisic gets a penalty kick in the second half. We win 2-1. to one. Now, let me tell you about this goal by Northern Ireland. This was an amazing shot, okay? This ball was hit by Neil McGinn. Now, if you're not familiar with that name, this guy plays for Aberdeen in the uh, Scottish Premier League. He is from England. He has got a foot that is like a cannon, okay? Now, let me kind of set up the play for you. What happened was Northern Ireland came down on a semi-counterattack, and as the ball came into the penalty box that was passed off to the right, um, it was a challenge there by the USA defense. The ball kind of went back and forth between a couple of players and then ended up bouncing toward McGinn, who was over on toward the line of the uh, penalty box there on the right side. As the ball was bouncing, he hit it on the bounce off his laces. It was a thunderbolt. That ball came screaming across the uh, goal. Zach Stepaner, the USA goaltender, went up in the air. The ball was over his head and by him by the time he could get up in the air. 
It went under the crossbar into the far corner of the goal. It was stunning. If Northern Ireland can score goals like that, <laughs> look out, okay? Now, whether they'll make the World Cup and get the cutter, that's another story. They're in a uh, semi-good qualifying group for them. We'll see what happens. But let's get back to the United States. The United States played very well, did what they had to do. They came away with a good 2-1 to win. This was a first win for the United States in I don't know how many years on European soil against a European team. So it was only it was Northern Ireland, I agree, but still a good, solid win. Now, if they could pull that off, say, against an England or pull that off, say, against the Netherlands, uh, that would be something that we could really scream and yell about. For the moment, we'll take this. This is really nice. We cannot sit on our laurels. USA will get a good European test on May the 30th. Circle that date on your calendar. You need to watch this game. United States will play Switzerland. This is a good, good team. Switzerland will be at Qatar for sure uh, come uh, World Cup time. Switzerland is a good team. They're young. They've got a lot of good talent. They've got some great guys that play in there, and they've got a bunch of them that play in that Swiss league. Let me tell you what, that Swiss league is getting a lot of attention because of the talent that's there. So USA national team looking real, real good. Ten wins in a row since November the 15th of 2019. My goodness. Way to go, Greg Berhalter. Great job. All right, now, on the other side of the coin, <clears throat> oh, my goodness, we have to talk about the U.S. Olympic team. Well, the under-23s did their best. They tried, they tried, and they tried. But when it came time to get to that medal game, they just couldn't do it. Honduras beat them 2-1. to one, So the U.S. will not be represented in the Olympics again. Since 2008, we haven't been represented in the Olympics in soccer. Really sad. But this is something that needs to be worked on. It's the under-23s, as I said, of the United States. And uh, let's see what happens. Let's hopefully uh, maybe they can go back to the film, figure out what the problems were. I can tell you what one of the problems was right now, and that was Honduras actually, uh, actually outran, just out-hustled uh, the USA team. Honduras came out of that locker room, and they had the proverbial foot on the old accelerator, and they didn't let up. I would be surprised if they even sat down at halftime in the locker room. These guys were just running everywhere. USA could not could not dictate the pace of the game, and that was their problem. Honduras dictated the pace of the game, and when you let the other team dictate the pace, you're in trouble. And Honduras dictated a very fast-paced game. The United States just could not keep up with them. So uh, and, and that's something that needs to be addressed, and uh, I'm sure a couple other things will be addressed as well as far as um, you know, movement uh, through the midfield with and without the ball. Uh, needs to be also uh, looked at. Again, when you win the midfield in a game, chances are you're going to win the game, okay? We did not have control of that midfield because of Honduras' speed. So that will be looked at, I'm sure, and uh, we can move on and hopefully get the United States under 23 squared away as the Burholder regime continues to take hold in the United States soccer program. Now, looking to our friends south of the border, Nuestros Amigos de Mexico, uh, they got embarrassed in the country of Gales, as it's called in Spanish, which is Wales. Uh, this past Saturday, they went to Wales and got shut out by Wales in Cardiff City at the stadium there, one nothing. This was an embarrassment for Mexico, a complete and total embarrassment. There were only 13 shots during the whole game by both teams. However, nine of those came from Mexico. None of them even really got near, near the goal. A couple of, couple of good saves by the Wales goalie, but outside of that, nothing really spectacular. Uh, Mexico had 
over domination of possession. I mean, I'm talking about almost 75%. But Wales' goal, to their credit, was very pretty. What happened was Wales got the ball down there in the uh, Mexico zone. And the ball got into the penalty box area and almost toward the goal box. When that happens, you have to keep your men moving. You have to keep everybody moving to look for spaces to move that ball so that you can get a shot on goal. Okay? Wales kept moving. The Mexico defense kind of sat back on their heels for a moment and kind of appeared a little bit confused and lost. And in that little time frame, Wales was able to get two one-touch passes together. And then the Wales guy right at the post puts the ball behind his heel and slips it to the far post. And Memo Ochoa didn't have a chance to grab it for Mexico. So uh, Mexico goes down one nothing. They will play Costa Rica on Tuesday. Uh, and that's going to be in Wiener Neustadt again in Austria. Uh, Costa Rica and Mexico will play. And that will be dubbed a friendly, although those teams both know that they will see each other down the road in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. So uh, we'll see how that all turns out. Okay, let's look at European football and as far as what's going on. You know, the rumor mill in European football never stops. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can go to the rumor mill and see some of the most incredible um, speculations, incredible headlines. Just really blows your mind as to where these people come up with these things. Okay, lots of rumors rattling around in the rumor mill regarding Erling Holland. This is a guy that just is amazing. And I was watching him play with Norway the other day. Norway got beaten by Turkey 3-0 in World Cup qualifying, and Turkey, Turkey really just dominated the game. But here's the deal. Um, the, the commentators on the game were saying after about 30 minutes, and Erling Holland only had about three or four touches on the ball. That's it. Now, wait a minute. Back up and regroup here. Erling Holland is one of the top premier players in the world. The top, I would say top five easily after what he's done at Borussia Dortmund. And he's only had five touches in a half an hour? Oh, my goodness. This, there's something definitely wrong here, okay? The way the Norwegian offense and attack is structured, Erling Holland is running around amongst two or three defenders, and the rest of the team is just passing the ball. You got, you got to get the ball to Erling Holland, folks. Uh, Norway can be a, a power, just like Sweden is a good team when they've got Ibrahimovic up there playing. And Ibrahimovic is a, is a big, tall dude, okay? Erling Holland, six foot four. What else do you want? Erling Holland is great in the air. What else do you want? Get the ball to Holland when you're on the attack if you are Norway. Make sure that the halfbacks and the uh, men who play outside know to get the ball to him at any time, any place, anywhere. It's not, it's not Holland's fault that he can't get the ball because he's got people around him. What you need to do is run, have great off-the-ball movement with two or three other players. Get that defense confused. Get that defense on their back heels. Get the ball to Erling Holland. Um, Norway didn't do it. They lost the game 3 nothing. So um, will Erling Holland go to Manchester United? <clears throat> well, He's also being talked about in this rumor of going to Manchester United with Jaden Sancho. Now, wait a minute. Jaden Sancho is one of the stars of the English team. And you want Holland and Sancho both at Man United? Somebody's going to have to rob a bank, okay? Really, seriously. Somebody's going to have to rob a bank to get those guys. Can you imagine a price tag? There? Oh, my goodness. Okay. And you also got, um, let's see, who I, you also got some other people who are looking to possibly go to either Barcelona or PSG. There is a rumor still floating through the mill that Messi is going to end up at PSG. 
I, I'm scratching my head here, okay? I just don't understand these rumors. But anyway, we will keep our ear to the ground, keep your eyes peeled. We, we, could, we could be in for a rather interesting summer when everybody's uh, supposedly resting, okay? But they won't be resting because of World Cup qualification. All right, uh, some other World Cup qualifying news. We've started this past week with World Cup qualifying, and some of the games have been rather interesting. Did you hear about the Netherlands? Yeah, Netherlands got shut out by Turkey. Let me tell you what, folks. Right now, write this down. In Qatar next year, the Turks are going to cause a problem. They're going to cause somebody a real heartache. Okay, this is a good Turkish team. I watched them play, as I said, against Norway. They're young. They do not stand still. They are constantly moving. They are in the passing lanes. The Turks look good. I'm not saying they're going to win the World Cup. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm saying is they're going to cause some problems for somebody in their group. And maybe if they get out of the group stage, they're going to cause a, a problem for somebody in the next round. So watch out for Turkey. Turkey is looking very, very good. Let's talk about Portugal for a minute. Of course, Ronaldo plays for Portugal. Uh, they beat Azerbaijan the other day, won nothing. You may say, oh, big deal. Well, listen, when your only goal of the game is an own goal by Azerbaijan, <clears throat> there's a little bit of a problem there to worry about. Scratch your head, okay? Uh, Portugal should have beaten Azerbaijan by about three or four to nothing. Uh, it was only a one nothing score that sent it on an own goal. So, okay, the Portuguese took that and they went on. They had to travel to Serbia, to Belgrade, to uh, to play. Of course, the conditions were probably, you know, as you can imagine, horrible as far as weather is concerned. The game was a 2-2 tie at the end. However, in the later stages of the game, Ronaldo hit a shot that was partially blocked and was rolling toward the goal. The defender from Serbia ran back there to clear it. it looked like he cleared it off the line. The referee said, no goal, play on. Didn't even go to VAR. The uh, replay shows that the ball was definitely all over the line, so therefore it should have been a goal. Uh, Ronaldo protested. Referee did not want to listen. Referee took a complete uh, non-interest in the situation. So Ronaldo turned around and walked off the field. Whether FIFA will address that is unknown. Uh, in talking to Mr. Suarez, who's the coach of Portugal, who's been with him for years, after the game, he didn't really seem interested in what happened as far as Ronaldo's point of view. He says Ronaldo you know, was upset. He understood why and let it go at that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Ronaldo just turned around and walked off the field. Uh, when the referee did not uh, even try to look at maybe get a second opinion on the goal. So we'll see where that goes. It's a 2-2 tie, a uh, point each uh, team, and so they're going to move on down the road. We will see what happens on. A couple of other things I want to mention real quick. Iceland, you know, this is a team, what, three years ago, four years ago, won or got into the finals or the semifinals of the Euros and was everybody's darling. Yeah, well, they're ranked 46 in the country right now, and they lost to Armenia. Two to nothing in World Cup qualifying. And I think it was in Iceland. Armenia is ranked 99th. That's not good. So hopefully the Icelanders can get their game in gear and uh, give us some more excitement. Also, another game I want to tell you about. The Spanish had to travel to the country of Georgia. Now, anybody who knows anything about Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia, it's surrounded by mountains. Weather conditions are harsh, to say the least. There was a 30-mile-an-hour wind blowing during the game, constant. This was steady, 30 miles. I'm not talking about gusting. I'm talking about steady, 25 to 30 miles an hour. And the temperature was down, what, up, man, lower 40s, upper 30s. So you can imagine what the wind chill was like. I mean, just you can imagine what the conditions were like, okay? And these guys are from Spain, all right? So 
game gets gets started. They go on, and Georgia gets a goal, and Georgia's up one nothing. Now, I don't know if there are any fans in the stadium because I didn't see any video of this, but uh, you can just imagine if there were fans in the stadium, these people are sitting there like going, we're, we're watching history, okay? Well, needless to say, the Spanish got their heads on straight at halftime, and the coach probably told them, look, just just forget about the weather conditions. you got 45 minutes. Let's, let's, let's get it done. The Spanish went out there and got it done and won the game two to one. But playing in 30 mile an hour winds, that has got to be tough. Got to be tough indeed. All right, let's take a look around and run the uh, leagues. Let's take a look at the Mexican League. First, Cruz Azul continues to lead at 30 points. America, also there in Mexico City, has 28. Santos from Torreon, Mexico, up there in Coahuila, 21 points, seven points behind second place. Monterrey, Rayados, two points behind at 19. Toluca tied with them. Then Atlas at 18, Puebla, Tijuana, Leon, and Caretero round out the top 10 in the Mexican League. In the EPL, Manchester City continues with their dominating lead over everybody else. Manchester United in second at 57. Leicester City continues to hold third place. This is just an amazing. How long has Leicester City been in third place in the EPL? I think it's been about three months now, seriously. Uh, they have just held third place, continue to play steady football. This is a well-coached team. Chelsea's in fourth. West Ham United with David Moyes is in fifth uh, at 49 points. So they're just, what, seven points out of third. Uh, so string a couple of wins together, they could be right up there uh, in Champions League territory. Tottenham at 48, Liverpool 46, along with Everton, then Arsenal and Aston Villa round out the top 10 in the EPL. Très bien. Let's go to Ligue 1, Dans la France. PSG has moved into a first-place tie with Lille. Lille has been sitting on top of Ligue 1 for a while. 63 points apiece for those two. Then Lyon at 60. Monaco continues in fourth place at 59. Then there's a big drop-off of 11 points. Uh, Lons is uh, behind Monaco at 48. Then Marseille at 45. Rennes and Montpellier at 44. Metz and Angers round out the top 10. Bundesliga looking like this. Bayern Munich at 61 points. Kind of putting a little distance between them and RB Leipzig at 57. Wolfsburg at 51. Eintracht Frankfurt continues in that all-important fourth place at 47. Why is it important? Because of the Champions League uh, games next year. Dortmund at 43. Then Leverkusen at 40. Union Berlin at 38. Freiburg at 37. Stuttgart and Mönchengladbach, ninth and 10th place in the Bundesliga there at 36 points apiece. La Liga down there in España. Atletico Madrid continues at 66 points. Barcelona has snuck into second place with 62. Is Messi got Barcelona uh, geared for a run down the stretch? It could happen. Uh, Real Madrid, Zidane Boys at 60 points. That means they're, 60, they're uh, six points off of the lead in La Liga. And Zidane has got to get that team in gear. And if they're going to make a run, they need to do it now. Sevilla in fourth place at 55. They're 10 points ahead of Real Sociedad at 45 points. So Sevilla, for the most part, looks like they're on their way to getting a Champions League bid for next year. Real Betis is at 45. I'm sure uh, the people in uh, Sevilla are noticing that Real Betis is 10 points behind. However, Real Betis, remember, I told you when they hired their coach that they would be in the top 10 in La Liga, and here they are right in the middle of it. Uh, Real Betis used to be down in the table on a constant basis. Villarreal is now at 43 points, Granada 36, Atletico Bilbao at 35, along with Levante round out the top 10. Serie A down there in Italia, and it's still the Battle of the Milans. However, Inter Milan has put some distance between them and AC Milan. It's now a 65 to 59 margin. Juventus at 55 points. Uh, Atalanta has moved up into fourth place at 55 points. 
Napoli right behind them at 53. That could be an interesting duel going down the uh, stretch here. Then we've got Roma at 50 points, Lazio at 49. Don't think the people in Rome are uh, taking note of that, huh? One point between the two crosstown rivals, and that is not a very nice crosstown rivalry. Trust me, okay? That's that gets emotional. They start throwing pizza at each other. You know, you get the concept. Okay, very good. Sassuolo is down there at thirty-nine points. Verona at thirty-eight, and then Sampdoria at thirty-five. That's a look at the leagues around Europe. Now let's look at what's coming up on soccer TV this week, and we got some good stuff going on. As I said, Costa Rica plays Mexico in Austria. That'll be on Tuesday. TUDN's got that broadcast at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Then Mexico and Honduras for that Olympic uh, first place um, game. That's going to be on Fox Sports 1 at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Fox Sports 1. Wednesday, England plays Poland in World Cup qualifying. This is going to be a good game. These are two excellent teams. The Poles are very, very good this year. And, of course, when you think of Polish soccer, who do you think of? Robert Lewandowski. This guy's amazing to watch. He's, what, 35, 36, maybe even 37. I don't know. He's in, up in the 30s. But he's just he just doesn't stop. And, of course, uh, England's got a handful of good players, and uh, Southgate has done a great job coaching them. ESPN2 is that broadcast, 2.45 Eastern time, England, Poland. Don't miss that one. Now, another game that's not on TV here in the United States, but I will be watching for the results. Austria is going to play Denmark, and that's going to be in Austria. These are two excellent teams. Denmark, very young, and Denmark's got a great chance to be in Qatar next year, and I think they will be. Austria, they're on the fence. Now, Austria's got a good team. They've got some no-names, but these guys are really good, and I think that they could give somebody a real run for their money. So Austria-Denmark tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see how that game turns out. That'll be on Wednesday, rather. Uh, on Saturday, you've got <laughs> – if you're a soccer junkie, folks, this is your day, okay? Saturday, take note. Four games in a row. That's right. Four back-to-back-to-back-to-back. NBCSN starts at 7.30 in the morning, oh, Eastern time. If you're in the mountain time zone, it's 5.30. All right? Well, that doesn't matter. Four games in a row on NBCSN from the EPL. Then you got Bologna against Inter Milan, which is an excellent matchup. ESPN2 at 2.45 p.m. But you've got a doubleheader on ESPN2 because before that Bologna game, you've got RB Leipzig and Bayern Munich, the top two in the Bundesliga playing at 12.30 Eastern Time on ESPN2. So you got a doubleheader on ESPN2 and four in a row on NBCSN. You are set for the day on Saturday uh, as far as soccer is concerned. Then let's look at Sunday. Well, Sunday looks pretty good too. Two triple headers. Yes, I, you heard me right. Two triple headers. NBCSN starting at 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, that's EPL, obviously. Be in sport starting at 10.15 a.m. Eastern time. That's going to be La Liga from Spain. A triple header, uh, Two triple headers on Sunday. You know, if you don't want to watch golf, if you don't want to watch whatever else is on, you got, you got six games to choose from uh, on Sunday, either NBCSN or be in sport. So have at it and have a good time. So anyway, that's what it looks like this week here in um, Kicks and Dribbles. A lot of soccer going on because now we're starting to make up time and trying to make up games that were missed during this uh, pandemic thing that we've all been uh, trying to go through and, and survive. It uh, looks like we're doing pretty good here in the United States. I hope my friends in Europe are doing uh, okay. I know it's, it's tough going, and uh, please understand that we are thinking about you, and we miss seeing your faces in the stands there at your European football matches. Uh, nothing – it just isn't European football without the fans, okay? The flag waving and the singing – it, it, it's all part of the atmosphere, and we just hope you all come come through it uh, very well. 
So uh, just know we're thinking about you, and hopefully this pandemic thing will get uh, get pushed down to where it belongs, and that's like in you know nowhere land where we don't think about it. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you tune in. I'm Dan McClay. Lauren McClay is the technical producer of Kicks and Dribbles. John Dang handles the sound, and DC McClay is in the ideas department. Thanks once again. Have a great week. A lot of soccer. We will have more soccer for you next week on Kicks and Dribbles. And until then, please, don't let your life have too many yellow cards. <laughs>